Welcome to the Genuinely You podcast channel, which is packed with advice and tips on how to live your life with purpose. Do you wish you felt happy and fulfilled? Are you feeling stuck, wishing things could be better? Are you ready to take some action and create the life you want? To start living an empowered life, you need to recognize and make full use of the power and freedom that comes from being genuinely you. Your host is Gina Gardner, a number one best-selling author whose whole life has been about supporting people to achieve personal empowerment, helping people just like you recognize that they can. Hello there, it's Gina Gardner here and I'm your host on Passionate World Radio today. As usual, I'm joined by Rachel Davidson and both of us are international number one best-selling uh, uh, authors. Today we're going to talk about the whole issue around anxiety mm-hmm. and how much time we spend being anxious about things, mm. which in the end turn out to be pretty well nothing. Yeah. And I'd like to start out by sharing with you um, a parable. And I want you to imagine that there is a broom, and on the broom there is um, a beetle, a beautiful, shiny beetle. Mm. And I want you to think about life from the perspective of that beetle. It's going up and down the handle and it's looking at the drop between the handle and the broom is actually laid on the floor. So the only difference between the handle and the floor is actually the height of the width of the broom bit, the the brush bit. So about about an inch. About an inch or maximum two. (laughs) Yeah. From our point of view, that's nothing. It's inconsequential. Yeah. But the beetle keeps looking at that space and yeah. worrying, if I if I leap off here and there's not enough wind to carry me, mm. I'm going to crash and burn. Mm. I'm going to hurt myself. Mm. And who will feed my beetle children? It looks like a massive drop to the spot, doesn't it? Yeah. And so it spends hours going back and forth and back and forth. And if you think about beetle time, hours is the equivalent <laughs> probably of months. Yeah. <laughs> worrying about, shall I, shan't I? If I stay, I'm going to starve. Yeah. If I jump, I'm going to crash and burn. I'm going to hurt myself. Yeah. And this goes on and on, and the beetle gets himself more and more wound up. Mm-hmm. And then suddenly there's a gust of wind, and the beetle is is brushed off the, of the broom and, and lands on the floor safely. Mm. So all that anxiety and the anticipation of that having time, to take a step. Yeah. Um, it, it is actually all within the poor beetle's head, isn't it? It is. Because in reality, it was more than capable of simply climbing off the handle of the broom. Now, <laughs> if you think about the, uh, the parable, mm-hmm. there's a huge lesson in there for us as human beings. Yes. Because every single one of us, I believe, has had times when we have agonised mm-hmm. over a decision yeah. And we've gone back and forth, will I fly, will I burn? Yes. And in reality, the problem in terms of the decision is not, is it right or is it wrong? It's mm. simply different. Mm. And each of those choices is going to have a different set of consequences. Yes. But I believe that anxiety breeds anxiety. Yes, um, they talk about the analysis paralysis in terms yes. of um, a sort of a, more of a business context, don't they? Where you know the uh, 
the anticipation of having to come to a decision and so you bolster your your feeling about making this decision by analysing and trying to find out as much about the, the decision as you can and, and then obviously as life does you get conflicting and then so you go into a more analysis and more justification and, and then you spin around and spin around and spin around and you still haven't made the decision. <laughs> And, and you can get stuck, totally stuck in that, can't you? Up and down the broom handle. Absolutely. Moreover, I think that because we as human beings start to um, generate the stress hormones when we are anxious, mm. on top of that you've got the physiological effect of these stress hormones which are designed to help us run away from predators yeah. in our systems which then make us feel very um, fidgety and... You know, worried we get um, butterflies in our tummy and our heartbeat um, rises to the point of palpitations mm -hmm. and the anxiety then generates anxiety because mm -hmm. you feel rough and that makes you feel more anxious and less in control mm -hmm. and so on. Mm -hmm. Now I've worked with thousands of people who have struggled with a particular decision. They might not just mm -hmm. There are some people who are anxious about everything, yeah. but I think most people have certain things which generate a greater level of anxiety than others. Yes. Whether it's relationships or money or around their professional life, yes. there'll be certain avenues within their lives that they struggle to make those decisions. Yes. And I think one of the issues for me is that the run-up to making the decision is incredibly hard. Mm -hmm. Once people make a decision, whatever that is, they feel better. And they feel more resourced to then deal with whatever that decision is going to create. Well, there's that, um, is it is it Goth? And I never know if I'm pronouncing his name correctly or not. G-O-O-T-H-E. Yes. Yes. And he has um, the boldness, uh, boldness has, has greatness, boldness has power. I'm yes. misquoting it terribly. <laughs> but his point is that um, momentum and action is always going to feel better than that sense of fear yeah. and waiting and trying to the beings we are animals of momentum being yes if yes. you think about how hard it is to walk for example and then you compare that with how hard mm -hmm. and how much energy it takes to stand still mm -hmm. it takes much more energy to with with to hold ourselves up yes. when we are standing still. Yes. And I think that's a really great metaphor. Not, you know, That's our physicality, but I think in terms of our um, our ability to, um, to reason, mm. our emotional self, our spiritual self, mm. we are on a journey. Mm. And when you make momentum, you make movement, yes. that's easier than doing nothing. Yes. But we get stuck. And how many people do you know who, who, who just get stuck in the, I've got to make a decision and I don't know what to do. Mm. And so they remain in a position of incredible pain mm. Um, mm. because of that stuckness. Mm. Because they, they, they build a story oh, yeah. and they're therefore a prison, which basically says um, if you make the wrong decision, um, then your life will be ruined from here on. And we catastrophize hugely. Yes. You know, if I don't do this, then... Um, you know, it's the old, um, for the sake of a, a, of a nail, the shoe was lost. Yes. That, that nursery rhyme. Um, I can remember clients who, you know, if I lose my job, um, then my, I'm going to be on the streets with my family. Mm. Um, but the reality was that, that, 
they had a skill base that would be easily, mm. um, that they'd get a job quite easily, but they also had huge savings, so they had no worries. Mm. Um, but I'm also reminded by people who procrastinate. Yes. And procrastination for me is around fear of making the wrong decision. Yes. But it goes to extreme lengths. I had a client once who, her hoover had been in the middle of her lounge when she came to me for four months. What? <laughs> and she hated it being there. Right. But the the decision to where was she going to put it, because she didn't have ah. um, a cupboard to put <laughs> okay. it in, okay. um, it kept it stuck. Now that's an extreme oh. example, but it's a real life one. It's, it's a good example actually, in the sense that yeah, it's only a hoover. <laughs> but, and yet... The decision was too much for her. She couldn't just decide to stick it in a corner. And when we started to analyse it, yeah. that hoover represented her life. Oh, uh, yeah. And it actually wasn't about the hoover at all. It was about she hated her job. Her relationship was in <laughs> deep trouble. Um, and for her, the moving the hoover had become the focus of her decision-making. So if she chose the wrong corner to put the hoover in, then her... The rest of her life would fall like a pack of, uh, of house of cards. Yes. Okay. Um, now that's an extreme example, yeah, but we, yeah. most of us, do it to some extent at some time in our life. Yeah. Now, the uh, Brenny Brown talks about um, you know, being courageous, having uh, yeah. having courage for a minute. Yes. Because in that courage, in that making of a decision, you start to move forward. Yes. And, you know, if you think about, I'd like our, our, our listeners to think about what are the things that you are fearful about? Yes. You know, it's sensible to be fearful about putting your finger in an electric socket if the plug is on yes. or going into a lion's den. Yes. But for most of us, fear and anxiety is, is not based on such clear-cut things. No. So think about your work. You know, if you are in a job that you find um, unsatisfying, mm. that you're working with people who don't value you, that you are unhappy about going into work because it's very stressful, mm -hmm. how many people do you know mm. that stay in that job, stay stuck in an incredibly toxic environment yeah. because they fear moving into something else? Yes. And think how many people... And listeners, does this you know? Does this fit you? How many of you are in a relationship that is unsatisfying? Mm. I mean, people stay in abusive relationships mm. long after that relationship um, should have been finished because they fear the alternative because it's unknown. Yes. And yet, making that move opens the door to very different, more positive possibilities. Yes. Yes. So, if you think about yourself as the beetle. Mm -hmm. And think, what's your broom? Mm. What are, what's the thing that's mm. keeping you stuck? Mm. Then you can start to um, to decide whether you're going to take the calculated risk mm. um, and go for it, mm. make a change, or whether actually it's not that bad and you're going to stay there. Mm. But what we find is people get stuck in, in the worst of both possible worlds. Yes. I'm not prepared to go into the unknown because that's scary. Yes. And I'm going to hate where I am. Yes. So if you can't change something or you're not prepared to change something, then the only thing open to you if you want a different outcome is to change the way in which 
you deal with it and you view it. Yes, yes. Um, and I find it very interesting how many people put themselves in the absolute prison yeah. of, I don't want it, but I'm not prepared to change it. Mm. And I hate it, and I hate the fact that I can't make a decision. Yes. So they keep beating themselves up for not making a decision. Yes. But they don't give themselves the freedom um, yeah. to make that decision and then deal with whatever consequences. You know, I can remember the exact moment, slightly, of when I first became aware, as a child, of the fact that there were decisions. There were such things called yeah. decisions. Yes. And it was um, in my secondary school, uh, or high school, for, yeah. for those of us not in the UK, and um, we were just, we were on the cusp of having to decide what subject we were going to major yeah. in, um, uh, uh, take as our options um, for the UK people. And in prior to this, the school sat us all down as yes. a year group and yep. said, right, this is how you make a decision. And I can just think, I remember sitting in the classroom thinking, oh, there's, there's like something you have to do to make a decision? Because up until that point, I had been beautifully innocent. Yes. <laughs> just making decisions naturally. Yeah. Just going with my flow, my instinct. Yeah. Now, there was this whole structure about it. There was a whole science about it. There was the right way to make a decision. Yes. According to the school, anyway. And, and I, I remember thinking... I've been doing decisions wrong then. Yes. Well, okay, so the school was trying to be helpful and, and trying to make us consider and um, not just sort of be flippant about what, yeah. what obviously yeah. the school wanted us to be serious about, which is, you know, your study and your ability to pass exams and so on and, you know, open doors in, yeah. in your life, um, depending on, you know, where your aspirations lay. But, but for me, it really, actually, it was quite stultifying. So I'm not surprised at all by the fact that a lot of people find the issue of making decisions really stressful. Yes. Because we are educated out of our gut instinct a lot of the time and we are informed that the best way to make a decision is from up here in the cerebral. Yes. When in actual fact it's probably um, what's really meaningful to us is what happens in the heart and the gut and not actually what's going on in, in the intellect. Using your intuition being able to tune into that intuition about mm. what's right for you in this moment, I think is incredibly important. Mm. And I think one of the problems for us is that there's so much white noise yeah. that actually being still enough, being quiet, um, quietening ourselves mm. in order to tune into the what's right, yes. um, I think is something that's missing in a lot of people's lives. Um, and how often do you get that feeling, this does not feel right, yeah. and yet, at a logical level, yes. all of the things seem to be okay, yes. and that you continue down a route that doesn't, just doesn't sit well. Yeah. And, of course, the opposite is, is quite true as well, that, that you charge ahead with something that, um, yes. that looks great, um, and actually... You've not given yourself the opportunity to, to test your intuition and say, yes. is it right for me? Yes. Because often we are governed by what's right for other people. Yes. Yeah. Um, I'm reminded of the interview situation. I used to go and help a lot of organisations interview. I still do it to some extent. Mm -hmm. And would be training people to interview. And there was, a, particularly in the uh, 90s and the noughties of the two, you know, 2000, yeah. there was a style of... Um, 
interview, I suspect it's still quite popular now, mm -hmm. where you would have the questions and then you would give everybody a score. Yes. And the person with the highest score would get the job. Yes. And I can remember sitting in more than one interview situation and saying to them, they've got the highest score, but could you work with them? Mm -hmm. And them saying, I don't think so. Yeah, yeah. But I've got to appoint them because they've got the highest score, and if I don't, then I could be taken to a tribunal. Mm, yeah. And so part of that was allowing within their criteria, mm. there had to be something, do you think this person would be a good team member in your organisation? Yeah. Do you think you could work with that person? Yeah. Um, and being very clear, why not? Mm. Not just being flippant about it, yeah. but actually recognising that this person, um, you know, that there was something that just did not fit Yes. Um, and that has to not be the only thing, but it has to have some level of importance in terms of the decision that you make. Yes. Because if you try and put the square peg in a round hole, there's going to be friction. Yes. Now that doesn't mean that what I'm saying is that you only look for yes people. No, no. Quite no, the opposite. No. But having somebody that's got the same intrinsic values as you and your organisation is really, <coughs> really important. Yeah. And if they don't have those values, then you're storing up problems for later. Yeah, absolutely. Now, I would suggest that your questions in an interview situation um, attempt to elicit what the, the values of that other person are. Yes. And you can structure the questions in such a way that can go so far. Yeah. But I still think you need that sense of what's right for me. Because at the end of the day, that's, that's all that we have, isn't it? That moment, yes. that... That sense, I mean, I, I know that, that a lot of very logical people will say that, you know, listening to your gut is all woo-woo and silly and whatever. But um, but the gut is shown to be using the Second same... brain, using exactly cells, the same yeah. nerve uh, centre. Yeah. Um, and, you know, that's our primeval antennae. Yes. And I think in, we like to think of ourselves as being incredibly modern. Um but actually they're there for a reason, they were honed, our, our evolution honed those over thousands of years. Yes. And they are well worth listening to. Yes. Now, it's an interesting paradox, isn't it? Because one could argue, well, my, my intuition is saying, be fearful of this, I want to be the beetle that stays on the broom. Yes. And so, wherever you are, there comes a point where... A decision, a choice mm. is required, or you stay stuck. Mm. And if your intuition is saying, oh, this feels scary, I think mm. we have to separate between what's a natural um, reticence, which is because our unconscious mind is designed to keep us safe. Mm. And, you know, if we were to be brave and move out of our comfort zone, yeah. will we create a new comfort zone? Yes. Or is there a real risk of catastrophe here? Yeah. And I think it's determining what's real from what we've imagined. So when I when you look back over, I mean, obviously, you know, I've got reached a certain age where I've got a, a good length of time to look back over and think, hmm, the bad decisions that I've made in my life, yeah. you know, do I really regret them? You know, that knowledge of, ah, in hindsight, I can categorise that as bad versus that decision was good. Do, do I look back and say, mm, I really regret doing that? And, and generally speaking, the answer is no, because even the bad decisions 
basically brought gifts with them. They, Huge they learning, gave, gave they? me learning, yeah. they gave me pointers, they, they made me realise yeah. that, um, you know, the decision process, the, um, the thought processes I was using at the time didn't help me. So they, they taught me possibly more keenly than the good decisions. But, but I'm just going to interrupt you for a moment because so often hindsight is a perfect science. Yes. And often we determine whether a decision is good or bad based on hindsight. Yes. If you're making a decision based on the best information available at that moment, yes. then hindsight is something that I think one has to accept. That you, you, So long as you've actually been... Um, able to collect evidence and make the best decision based on that, uh -huh. In, and part of that evidence is your intuition. Yeah, I'm not just talking about the, the you know logical factual evidence. Yeah, then I think one has to accept that that's part of of growth and living. Yes, I think there's a difference between. Well, let me give you an example. Mm -hmm. I see many clients who have had one disastrous relationship after another. Mm -hmm. Okay. They make bad decisions based on that they haven't learnt from a previous experience. Yeah. For me, that's a bad decision, mm. that you've not allowed previous experience to teach you something different. Mm -hmm. So you've gone and made the same decision over and over and over again. Yeah. Okay? So for me, that's probably you know, the major part of a bad decision. Yes. Or we've been so fearful our decision is to do nothing because yeah. we're, we're doing nothing is actively still, still a, a decision yes, yeah. um, because we are fearful of the outcome. Mm -hmm. And so for me that's a bad decision in the sense of either actively decide to do nothing yeah. for the right reasons or to do something for the right reasons. Yes. But the doing nothing because you're fearful of making the decision, that's a bad decision. Yes. So sorry to interrupt you, but I think it was important to clarify yes. that. Yes. So in the context of hindsight, yeah. looking back at a decision that you wish you'd done differently, yeah. still has lots to offer. Yes. And and strangely, knowing that I don't actually really regret the bad decisions yeah. in my life, um, that they that they pro were lessons to me to how yeah. to you know search for a better way and stuff. Actually, in the moment where I'm making decisions now, I have the confidence to say, effectively, what's the worst that can happen? Yeah. Let's just think about what's the worst yeah. that can happen here. Because I know I've faced decisions of this kind of scale in the past, and although I, I may have chosen to do different uh, activities, even when I did choose the work path I chose, actually nothing terrible happened. I just yes. got some more learning out of it. So, you know... It, it, it allows, there's that phrase, isn't there, that um, it's usually used in nightclubs by men. Okay. <laughs> um, go ugly early. <laughs> right. right. It's Just, new to don't, me. Don't, because don't, um, of course men are under performance pressure of, you know, going and sort of having to go and ask the woman to dance, yes. whereas the woman tends not to have to ask the men. Um, although, obviously... Um, in Things may have changed a little strategy. since you went to uh, discuss. It's, it's a long time <laughs> since I was in the nightclub, it's true. Yes. But, um, but there is the phrase of go ugly early, which is don't don't think too much about, you know, targeting someone and stressing about whether they're going to accept you or not. You know, live in the moment, enjoy, yeah. and, and just pick the first person that, that attacks your attention. Just go and have a chat with them. Yes. Just, you know, go ugly early, because what's the worst that can happen? Yes. Um, and it's a, it's, a, it's a message to free yourself 
from all of those stories and all of those prisons, it's a message of just you know relax, mm. be in the moment, interact. Yes. So so there is um, a theory that the, the decisions that tend to work out as being the best are the ones that you you took quickly. You don't think too much about. Now, yeah. of course, there are. You know, if you're talking about you know where to put your money or you know, whether you're going to marry or whether you're going to have children. Whether to leave a marriage. Or yeah, those things those take thought. Um, but I do think that for all of us, recognising that anxiety in and of itself is simply a warning. Mm. But if you are somebody who sits within anxiety uh, and that's your habitual place of being, yeah then the difficulty is it's hard to determine whether this is something that you need to be anxious about or not because yeah. it's become your habitual pattern. Yes. And it's breaking down, you know, if I make this decision, mm -hmm. it doesn't need to be right or wrong. It's going to be different. Yes. So I use the, uh, the metaphor of a journey between, let's say, Colchester, mm -hmm. which is the main town near where I live, and Edinburgh. Well, you could go to Stansted at airport and fly. Mm -hmm. You could go by train, mm -hmm. and you could either go into London and get the fast train, or you could go up to Ipswich and then to Peterborough and, and so on. Yeah. You could drive, you could cycle, you could walk. Mm -hmm. You could take the coach. Now, and then you've got any number of different routes and roads to go on to get to Edinburgh. You'll still get to Edinburgh, but in terms of time, effort, and money, yeah. those things are going to be different. And those are the three resources that we have at our disposal, aren't they? Mm -hmm. Time, energy, and effort, and yeah. money. Um, and so recognising that for the vast majority of the decisions we make, it will simply be different, not good or bad. Yeah, and even if you do make a decision such as, I will take the train to Edinburgh, yeah. there's no reason why you can't halfway along the journey think, I'll get off and get a car now. Yes. You know, nothing is Cost necessarily stone, is set in stone. No. no. Very I, few, I mean there are very a few, few, but very few decisions are, that's it, it's that decision, Yeah. and you've had it or otherwise. Yeah. Um, taking your own life would probably be yeah. one of the few. <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> and one would hope that, that, the vast, that that's not going to happen to anybody who's listening to this. But I wonder how many people's lives are effectively blighted mm. by the anxiety which they generate around daily living mm. and about making not just the big decisions but the little decisions. Mm. And I think that that's such a waste of quality of life yeah. and that there are ways uh, to manage that more effectively. And yeah. recognising that the fear of moving out of our comfort zone yeah. is so short-lived, Yes, isn't it? Yes. That, you know, as, the minute you go into a new area, part, they call it the line of perturbation, oh, past yeah. the line of being perturbed, being anxious, yes. and you go into the new activity, yes. that very quickly becomes our normal. Yes. And I, again, I think that's very deeply ingrained in our evolution. Well, it's survival. It is. Adaptability. Yeah. Yes. Um, it is the survival of the fittest, isn't it? It's, the, the, it's not the beast that's necessarily the strongest or you know the fittest or, or whatever. It's the one that's actually more capable of adapting to the change that, that's coming its way. But the paradox is that our unconscious mind has a view that staying safe means doing the same thing. Yes. 
And if, as you say, with um, with our development, if we had stayed safe and done nothing different, we'd still be living in caves. Yes. We'd still have a life expectancy of about 27 years. Yes. And so it's the moving out of that, what appears to be safe, and it's an illusion, really, mm. Wow. Um, in going into the unknown and adapting to new circumstances mm -hmm. that we have the best chance of not only survival mm -hmm. but a great quality of life. Yeah, because actually your life has to have a good mix of order yeah. and a good mix of chaos. Yes. You know, for it to be you know, a healthy, uh, striving for a higher self kind yeah. of life, you can choose to have, to have order, to stay within certain frameworks, to to live within that and, and accept possibly what other people would look at. I mean, you know, if I'm the human looking at the beetle, I'm thinking, what a small life, Mr. Yes. Beetle. Yeah. Just take the jump. What's yeah. the big deal? It's only an inch. But, but everybody the has their version of yeah. that inch, don't they? Yes. So yeah. the things that stop them from um, getting out there on the dating scene or moving out of a loveless relationship or a new job or a change of profession or, mm. or whatever yeah. um, and recognising that the anxiety in and of itself yes. creates this prison yes. um, that far more helpful is to allow yourself the space to look at is this the reality are these the facts or is this the story that I've made up around those facts Yes. Um, and if I'm making up a story what's the impact of that how can I dismantle that story? Yes. Um, and look much more um, positively, much more constructively at the reality that I'm in. Yes. And then, can I be brave? That brave step, which takes such a little time to get through, yeah. but you have to do it. Yeah. Have you ever been absolute? Never. I'm frightened of heights. Well, <laughs> I used to go with my father. He was a teacher in a secondary school, and I used to go with him when he took uh, fourth um, year, which would now be year 10s, mm -hmm. um, on an outdoor pursuiting and adventure week. Mm. Now, I always used to get the, uh, the girls' group, the girls who were rather overweight, um, who were unadventurous, mm. um, who would arrive with their high heels and hot pants <laughs> to go... Um, <laughs> And I can remember we went to uh, Minehead and we were going to abseil down the wall of the, um, mm. uh, the that holds the cliff face oh. down to the beach. Right. So probably about 50 feet and quite a considerable yeah, um, yeah. Uh, yeah. drop. And they wouldn't go and they said, we'll go if you go. And I think, oh, oh. <laughs> And it's that bit that you have to let yourself go over the edge. Yeah. Once you're over the edge and the wall is in front of you, you feel so different because yes. you can you're you you feel safe. You're on a rope, you know that, that they're going to hold you. Yes. But having a parameter yes. that you can see and touch and feel yes. it makes you feel safe. But you have to do that step yes. over the edge. Yes, because until you've made that step you know the theory that the rope is going to hold you, yeah. but you don't know the actuality of it. You Logic step. tells you that you know, <laughs> this organisation um, are not going to let you fall, it, yeah. that that would be the end of their yes. business. Yes. But logic and emotion and fear 
don't, are not necessarily good bed, bedfellows, are no. they? No, and that, that's the real crux of it, isn't it? When you're in your mind and the yeah. logic is telling you, and, and you, you know, you're thinking, oh, yeah. Yeah, I, I, I know that this probably won't go wrong, look at all the logic, but it's not enough to no. actually take you to the point of comfort. You have to feel, you have to be. Yes. And that's the point about decisions, is quieten and, and be, yeah. and the, the reassurance will come. I think asking yourself, what is fact, real, mm. quantifiable fact, and what is the story that I've made up? Yeah. And I'd like to leave, um, yeah, because we've got to the end of our time today, mm. to say to anybody who's, um, who's listening to this, what are the things that you're anxious about? And how many of those things are things around the story that you've made up about that anxiety? Mm -hmm. And isn't it time to be brave for that 30 or 60 seconds yes. to step out of that and make a decision? And once you do, I guarantee you'll feel better. Please let us know what are the things that you're anxious about. You can let us know um, either through the comment box or through um, the um, website, which is genuinely-new.com. There's lots and lots of stuff there to help people with anxiety and decision-making, mm -hmm. lots of free information. And you can get a free digital download of the latest best-selling book, Thriving Not Surviving, The Five Secret Pathways to Happiness, Success and Fulfillment. And there's a lot in there. Mm -hmm. You can find Rachel's book, The Point of Me, mm -hmm. uh, on Amazon or good bookshops. Um, and you can find all the rest of my books um, on those platforms too. So thank you very much for joining us, and I look forward to seeing you in the, the next time. Take care now. Cheerio. You've just been listening to another great Genuinely You podcast. We hope you enjoyed it. Genuinely You is a culmination of Gina's work, spanning over 30 years, of helping people learn what makes them feel happy and truly fulfilled, and how to achieve it. Please visit genuinely-u.com today to find out more.